Father, thank you so very much for already an incredible time of worship as we honor you, Lord God, as we honor you, precious Savior, as we honor you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to lift up your praises through this thing called music. It helps us, God, in ways that often we can't find the words and songwriters find those words for us. And we're grateful for that. Father, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, today, who declared it is finished. And as we, Father, look today at the finality of Satan and his ultimate doom, I want to pray that you will be lifted up and made big. I want to pray, Father, that through the Holy Spirit you will draw people to yourself even today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just fill this place, to take charge of this atmosphere. I know you're real. To some it's mystical and magical, but I know you're real. And you already begin speaking to hearts and setting up the the stage, Father, for, uh, for you to be made so big. So we love you today. Have your way in our hearts and our lives. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Wasn't that a great song? It really was. We are so glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming and joining us at Dorisville. Again, we're very aware there's other places to worship, all of them great churches, but we're glad that you felt perhaps led by God to be here even today. And appropriately, it really is finished. This is the last day of our Scar Wars series. It's one of the longest series uh, that we have done. And we've taken a good look at the origin of evil and, and the early, not the origin of God because he's always been, but the early days when we know about God in the book of Genesis. We have looked at his word and talked about good and evil. And we've spent a long time looking at how can we have victory in this world through the armor of God. And we finally come down now to two lessons about warfare, about what's going on now. Now, next week, we begin another series, and I really like this series idea, and next week, it just ties in in a a mystical, wonderful way with this series, because it's entitled Unbroken, and part of the song that, that Donnie just sang said, you know, they were battlefields of my own making. I didn't know the war had been won, and we're going to look at the next six weeks. First, it's going to be very special, I think. The sermon video, part of that sermon video, will be the life stories and the grace stories of people that you know in our church. And they're going to tell just about two or three minutes of their story and how God helped them overcome various things in their lives. And then we'll take from the Bible and discuss and talk about what God's Word says about that. we got topics coming up like salvation, how that every person is lost. And we need to really look at that again and understand because sometimes we think if we're good enough, we're not lost. And yet the Bible teaches all of us are. We're going to talk about the, the, the ugliness of unforgiveness. We're going to talk about addiction. We're going to be talking about depression. We're going to talk about personal failure. We're going to talk about personal tragedy. So we've got some big topics coming up and people sharing their life story. And that starts next week. I really hope you'll come back. But today... It is finished, and we want to talk about the end times. You know, we shared last week about VE Day, and it really stands for Victory in Europe Day. It occurred on May the 8th, 1945. That was the day that the Germans and the the Axis powers um, surrendered to the Allies. 
And it was a wonderful day of great celebration. And we took that thought and changed it from victory in Europe to victory in eternity. And we tried to paint a picture, and we'll do a little bit of that today too. We tried to paint a picture of the fact that beyond what we can see, beyond the realm of the physical, there is warfare going on. And we actually talked about how that two angels fought. And uh, there's a prayer that Daniel prayed that God was answering. And and the angel that was going to be the messenger of that answer ran into another angel. And he had to call in reinforcements. He had to call in Michael. And we talked about how there's more going on than we can see. And then the second part of that is VJ Day. Now, that occurred on August the 14th. 1945. Now, I know to our students particularly, that is something you study in school. And you say, Dwayne, that is ancient history. But I remind you that a lot of the people that are alive today, seeing this room, if you're 71 years or older, you are at least alive during VJ Day. So while it was a long time ago, it's certainly not ancient history. And what a day of celebration it was. Um, they surrendered again on August the 14th, 1945. And then in September the 2nd, 1945, um, the, the battleship Missouri pulled into Tokyo Bay. And it was there that the actual documents of surrender um, were signed. And I still find it just incredible that my dear friend Ken Erickson um, was on the battleship Missouri that day. Isn't that incredible? I mean, he was there. Not only was he alive, he was there. Yeah. Come on. Oh, come on. You do better than that. Yeah. How, how incredibly wonderful of that. And, and of course, there was just a huge celebration in America as all this took place. Now, there's a famous photograph um, that, that is, well, you'll probably recognize it, but the, the identity of the people involved has kind of been shrouded in mystery. There's the photograph right there. And um, what I found out was, that is Ken Erickson. <laughs> that is Ken Erickson. I'm not sure if that's Barbara or not. But it might be. It might be Barbara. But no, not really. But that's a wonderful, that is the iconic photograph of, of VJ Day, Victory Over Japan Day. Now, we want to leave that with that thought, though, how the celebration is, how they had fought for three and a half years, America, and again, Europe was in a lot longer than that, but how that, that they celebrated that victory. And what an appropriate song, again, that Donnie sang for us, it is finished. So we want to look now and see victory in Jesus, victory in Jesus' day, because there is much more of the battle yet to be fought, and there is ultimate victory. Now, some of that victory is now, but there is ultimate victory that we want to talk about. We're going to start our discussion today in Revelation and chapter 12. Um, so if you want to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there, in Revelation chapter 12, we want to look at what is going to happen. Now, here's the amazing part. Now, this isn't true. You know, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. They have, I know, but they have the best record in baseball. They won last night. They're on a rolling streak. So I'm going to by faith say, I'm assuming that the Cubs are going to win. Now, all you Cardinals fans, it's least time to jump on board for this time, this season, okay? For you Cards fans, you just need to jump on board. I know it's difficult, but you need to do that. And so, so here's the deal. I'm assuming they're going to win because they had the rec- best record in baseball. But guess what? We all know the Cubs. Ken, Ken, who is an ardent Cubs fan, will tell you this. They have a tendency to collapse. They have a tendency to implode. So that may not happen. Well, what I'm going to share with you today happens in the future. But unlike the Cubs, 
It is a done deal. This is done deal. The things we're going to talk about today, in fact, they're so done, you'll notice as we start reading from, from Revelation chapter 12, you're going to notice that it's written in past tense. John is seeing this in a vision, and it's as if it has already happened. And that is really powerful and cool. And we're going to point that out just in a couple of places. So you have the confident assurance that what we talk about today, even though it's in the future, as if it's as if it already happened. Now, let me just take about two minutes and show you, give you a little bit of a timeline. And I promise you, when it comes to the book of Revelation, there's as many interpretations as Carter's got pills. I mean, people say, well, no, this is going to happen this, this is going to happen that. Um, I'll tell you what I think, and, and again, a lot of other people think this way, but there's a lot of people think the other way, okay? But it goes something like this. We're living right now in what we would call the church age. It started, of course, with the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, really Acts chapter 2, I'm going to be totally accurate, Acts chapter 2, and then it's moved forward since that time. So we are in the church age. It's the age of grace. It's the age when the church is to spare the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somewhere in the future, and again, a lot of folks believe we're, we're not prophets, we don't know, but the Bible gives us some specific signs about the end times, and we're starting to see some of those things come about. So the next thing on the prophetic calendar of God seems to be what is called the rapture of the church. And interestingly enough, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but it means to be caught up, to be caught away. Um, it's taken mainly from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. So somewhere in the future, and as far as we know, I think, nothing needs to happen for that to happen. So here we are in the church age, and one day the father is going to look at the son and say, hey... Go get my children. Go get my church. And we don't know when that is, but it's going to happen. And the Bible says that during those times called the rapture, uh, and again, caught up and caught away, that Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, all right? And he, first off, he resurrects all the dead saints. Their soul and spirit is coming with him, but the old body they used is brought back to life, and they're united together. That's, again, that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. So whether you've been cremated or ready to decay in a grave, you're eaten by a shark, hey, God is God, and he's going to put those bodies back together and be united with the soul and spirit, and they'll have a brand new body. Then, if we happen to be alive, then we too then will ascend to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, that's really wild. I know, isn't it? That's what's great about God. He does wild stuff. He does wild stuff. So that happens. And again, then there becomes seven years of great judgment and chaos on the earth. Seven years. After the seven years, there's a battle called the Battle of Armageddon, of which Satan is bound. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We hopefully get that far. Satan is bound during that time. Okay? And Jesus comes physically to the earth. First time he comes in the clouds. He comes physically to the earth, and he reigns on the earth for a thousand years. He physically reigns on the earth for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, Satan is released again for a short time. During the thousand-year reign, again, most theologians, many theologians believe that people will be born, physically born in that time period. They have to be given a choice during that time. They have to be given a choice at the end to choose or reject Jesus Christ. And so Satan is released to tempt and deceive the nations. Many, many, many. In fact, the Bible says, we won't get there today, but the Bible says, as the sand of the sea, 
these people choose to rebel against God. And then in just a, a thunderclap, almost, it's over. Fire descends from heaven, the battle is over. And then Satan is cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever the end. So that's kind of the timeline. That's probably, if you're not familiar at all with the Bible, that's enough for you to go, huh? I tell you what, y'all read the Bible because it's way interesting. Way interesting. And maybe one day we'll do a little bit of a study on all of that. I don't know if I'll ever be qualified or feel qualified as a teacher to share all of that. But anyway, so today that gives you just an idea. So here we are in the church age, waiting for the rapture to happen. Let's assume the rapture happens. And then three and a half years into that seven, halfway through that seven, the time of great chaos, the time of great judgment on the earth, halfway through is where Revelation chapter 12, where we're going to be studying today, starts to happen. Okay? Is that about a little bit clearer maybe? Okay? So that's the time point where Revelation 12 happens. And here's what happens. The Bible says this. This, this is just interesting. Listen to what it says. Then war broke out in heaven. How about that? Isn't that a crazy thought? Then war breaks out in heaven. Now, probably, probably a clearer definition of heaven would be the heavens. In other words, literally, literally Star Wars. In fact, one of my commentaries that I study, one of my conservative commentaries... I said, imagine a Star Wars type battle, not with spaceships and all that, but imagine the heavens are filled with warfare. Well, what does that look like, Dwayne, in Revelation chapter 12? Well, it says there, Michael, now remember Michael? Michael, the archangel from last week, Daniel chapter 10. He was the reinforcements that came to help the un- unnamed angel. So Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought. So you've got Michael, who is the captain, if you will, of all the great and good angels, okay? And they fight against the dragon and all his angels. Now, the dragon, who is the dragon? Well, if we look at verse number 9, you can see very clearly who it is. In verse 9, right there in the middle, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. So Michael and his angels take on Satan and all his fallen angels. And keep in mind that the word Satan and devil means slanderer and deceiver. If you really want to know what the main job description of Satan is, he slanders, he accuses us before the Father, and also, uh, not only that, but he also deceives the whole world. He's a deceiver. So he slanders the children of God before God, and he tries to deceive lost people to stay lost. So there's this great battle then that goes on. Now, this all to remind us, and I know this is like, you know, you say, wait a minute, Dwayne. Okay, listen, all I did was want to go to heaven. I'm not sure I want all this information. I'm not sure I want to know that there really is a battle going on, that there's something going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. This is more than I signed on for. I know, but you need to know because it's so incredibly wonderful and it's so incredibly true. This should remind us, not Michael and his guys, this should remind us the truth of Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. We've used it many times throughout the series. Let me share it again. We do not wrestle, we Christians, we believers, We do not wrestle, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. 
So that's what's going on. So we have this Star Wars type battle going on between Michael and the good angels and Satan himself and his fallen angels. And this is what's so cool. I'm going to back up just a little bit in the middle of verse number seven and read this. The dragon and his angels also fought, verse eight, but he could not prevail. Someone say amen. He could not prevail. Now, it doesn't just say he didn't prevail. It says he could not prevail. There was no way that Michael and his angels were going to lose this battle. It was a done deal because they were backed up by the God of the universe. The one who created Lucifer in the beginning before he fell is the God. The creator versus the created. And I promise you, whenever it's the creator facing the created, the creator is going to win every single time. So the, the, the dragon, devil, Satan, and his angels could not, did not, will not ever prevail. And then it says this, and there was found no place for them in the heavens or in heaven any longer, any longer. For some reason, look at me, I don't know. For some reason, God allowed Satan to come before him and accuse the brethren. That's why Jesus is known as the great intercessor. Okay? I don't know why. When you get to heaven and you get your time with the Father, you can say, Father, why did you allow that? Because there are a lot of questions we got for God. So just mark that one down. When you get to heaven, you got all eternity, get in line, and you're going to ask the Father the question. I don't know. But he was allowed to accuse the brothers, okay, before the Father. But at this time, there's no place for them in heaven any longer. Look at verse 9. So the great dragon was thrown out. Don't you like that? How many of y'all have ever seen the movie Air Force One? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, I, I want you to know something. I'll, just so I'll clarify, it's got a lot of language in it. It's got a lot of violence. I saw it on TV. It's still a few cuss words, but probably not if you went to the theater and heard it. But it's a story about the president. His, his Air Force One is hijacked, okay? And it's really, really bad terrorists on board. And so the president takes on the terrorists single-handedly. And he comes down to the end, and he's in the back of the plane, and supposedly on Air Force One, and this is true, by the way, I think, the back will open up so, so a capsule could eject the president in a capsule so he could escape. And so they're at the back, okay, of the airplane. He takes the terrace and wraps him up in a parachute cord, and then he says these words, Get off my airplane. Shoop, off he goes. Well, this is like God going, Get out of my heaven. It has to be a sweet thing. Amen. I love the fact our almighty powerful God looks at this created angel who thinks he wants to be like God and says, get off my airplane. I like that. Well, uh, so the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to the earth and the angels with him. Yay. Amen. Woo! Shoot that thing. Then what happens? Well, it keeps on talking. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, this is a big deal when Satan is literally thrown out of the heavens and to the earth. It's a big deal. It's a big strategic victory. And here's what the voice in heaven says. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah 
have now come. What a pronunciation. He says the salvation, the state of being saved, the state of the rescue is proclaimed in a way like never before. The power, the omnipotent power of God. There's a, there's a part of the Greek that translates the power to be able. It's kind of like when Jesus said, I am. This power is the word to be able. To be able. And believe me, God is able because he's all powerful. The power, the kingdom, the rule of God, the absolute rule of God, and the authority of his son, his Messiah, have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The trash talk is over. Aren't you all just enamored with the political ads? I mean, I just love them. I just love watching the news. That's really about the only network TV I watch. A couple more programs. But every program, do you know what I figured out? If those political ads are true, all of them need to be in jail. There ain't a good one. I mean, it amazes me how so few of those ads talk about the, hi, hi, I'm, this is why I'm qualified and good for this office. All they want to do is talk about the other guy. Well, guess what? On November the 9th, the trash talk is over. And at this point, the trash talk is over because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. It is finished. Then, then, listen to this. Look at verse 11. They conquered him. They conquered him? Who is the they? They, part of they, is us. It's the winds. It's those of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. It's the children of God by grace. It's it's the church, but also the church going forward. And they conquered him. I like that. The battle really is over. And the victory is ours because the victory is his. Let me say that again. The victory is ours because the victory is his. He has conquered. He has defeated. Well, how is this this played out in our lives? Look what it says. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb. In a huge way, the victory was won and played out on Calvary's cross. When Jesus Christ, on that first Easter, you know, one of the holidays, if you will, that Jesus gives us, he gave us Christmas because of his birth, but he also gives us Easter weekend. He gives us Resurrection weekend. He gives us Good Friday, and he gives us Resurrection Sunday. And on that cross 2,000 years ago, when he willingly allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, okay, and his blood was shed because the Bible says that the payment for sin is death, he willingly died for us on the cross. He shed his blood. And on that cross, when it came to the end, the Bible says Jesus Christ cries out and he says, it is finished. And then... They put him in a grave, and three days later, he proved part of it wasn't finished because his life wasn't finished because on the third day, he resurrected, came up out of that grave, and lives forevermore. There ain't no religious leader like Jesus Christ. There's no other man like Jesus Christ. I mean, again, Mohammed, dead in the grave. Ask him, he'll tell you. But not Jesus Christ. He lives 
today. It's an amazing story. And the confident assurance that we have by the blood of the Lamb, the confident assurance, we overcome the power of Satan by the confident assurance that it's not us who saved us. It's not us who keep us saved. It was purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We, by faith, believe in Him and we turn from our sins and we follow Jesus Christ. It is by that power and by that blood and by that redemption that we conquer Satan. Again, our victory is His victory. We're victorious not because of us. See, I'm... So many of us go through life going, well, I hope I can win. Dude, you can't. You can't win, but guess what? Jesus Christ already has. He already has. Just celebrate what Christ has done. This, this, us and we and them, they conquered him by the fact they had a confident assurance that they were forgiven, not because they went to church, not because they were a certain denomination, not because they'd been dug, but why what Jesus Christ did on the cross and their faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross and repentance of their sins and following Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and says this, and by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. They, it's, 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 the picture is the witness stand. The witness chair. And, and they overcame him by voicing their confident assurance. We need to talk less about church and religion and more about Jesus. Amen. we got to talk less about church and religion and a lot more about Jesus Christ. The good news is not Dorsville Baptist Church. The good news is not being a Baptist. The good news is not religion. The good news is Jesus Christ. we got to talk about Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to let our lives live out. You know, we, we speak by our mouth and we speak by our lives. And they overcame him, the evil one, the, the, the dragon, the, the Satan, the destroyer. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by sharing that. And then watch this. For they did not love their lives in the face of death. In other words, they were so confident and so sure that even if it meant death, they would not deny Jesus. How powerful is that? When we're willing, and we're not asked to in America, we're not asked to in America, but we're willing to be willing to die for our faith, it's a magnificent testimony of our faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on and says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. As we lose our life, we save it. If we try to save it, we lose it. What a paradox. But again, Jesus was full of paradoxes. The whole fact that, that God loved us even while we we're still sinners and sent son Jesus to die for us is a paradox. We deserve nothing. We, do, we deserve nothing. He gave us everything. We deserve nothing, and he gave us everything. How amazing is that? Verse number 12 goes on. Therefore rejoice, you heavens. And you who dwell in them, woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury because he knows his time is short. Again, this is happening in the future. The heavens are told to celebrate and rejoice because of the great victory. But woe to the earth because in this time in the future, even now, but this time in the future, Satan is cast down and he has great fury. This, we're seeing this played out today. Trust me, 
Satan doesn't know everything. You need to remember that. He's not you know, omniscient. He doesn't know everything. God does. But because he's a created being, he doesn't know everything. He knows this. His time is short. He knows he's a loser. And he knows his time is short. He knows both of those things. So, heavens rejoice. Earth be filled with remorse. Because his time is short. So then, we don't have time. But three and a half years later, there's another battle. Satan is locked up. There's that battle. I mean, I talked about the timeline. And then there's that great battle. And then the thousand-year period. And then finally the end. Guys, give me one of these mics. Here we go. We're good. So here we are at the end. The thousand years is over. People have been born. And now they have to make a decision for Christ. And so the Bible says... The Bible says this, verse 10 of Revelation 20. The devil who deceived them, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The ultimate end. We see, we see a great snapshot of part of the battle in Revelation 12. But in Revelation 20, three and a half years later, then a thousand years later, we see the ultimate demise of Satan. So long we have said, God, why do you allow Satan to do what he does? And I promise you, God has a reason and a purpose for that. But you need to understand that in the end, he is cast into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. Tonight, I want you to come back. We'll be in the, in the, under the steeple tonight. We're going to talk about what happens after this because it involves some of you. It involves some of you. It involves a lot of people. So I hope you'll come back tonight at 6 o'clock, and we're going to tell what happens after this. But my question is this. So... What will you do today? You know, heaven, again, I shared this at a funeral this week. Heaven is not about good and bad people. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So if heaven depended on good people going to heaven, it would be a pretty lonely place because none of us are good. Heaven's about forgiving people. If you're here today, and if, you, if you're black or white or, or yellow or brown, if you're a rich person or a poor person, if you would say, if you were to put your sin list up and go, I qualify for being a really, really bad person. Or maybe over here, you would say, no, I qualify for being a really good person. I want you to understand, all that does not matter. What matters is the fact that Jesus died for your sins. And if you will make that conscious decision to turn from your sins and follow Jesus, heaven is yours. And not only heaven, help in this life. A friend who stays closer than a brother. A God who will never leave you nor forsake you. So what will you do today? What decision will you make? It's been the most important question through the ages. 
We want to cloud the water and say, I need to get religious. I need to go to church. I need to stop this and start that. That's not the question. It's not the issue. The issue is, what will you do with Jesus? The song says it this way. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Today is your day of grace. Today God has put you in this building or maybe listening on the radio, and it's your day of grace. And you may feel that tug in your heart. You can't explain it. You don't know what it is. But there's something tugging your heart saying, this is what I need. And that's God saying, yes, yes, you are separating me because of your sin, but I've made a way that you, that separation could be done away with, and you could come and be my child. And it's by God's grace and His Son, Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. You know, every Sunday we have a decision time, and that's what this is today. And we want to give you the opportunity to come and say, I want to follow Jesus. Now, I know you'll have tons of questions. That's cool. Some we can try to answer now. But here's what I figured out a long time ago. You don't need to know everything to trust Jesus. You need to know that you're a sinner, who Jesus was and what he did, and trust that. That's what you need to know. So some of the questions you probably never get answered. I got a lot of questions. I told you I get in line with God the Father when I get to heaven and say, I need some answers. No, I want some answers. But, but you today have enough to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My friend Brent will be standing down front, and we're going to have the team come and lead us in a song. And you can say, hey, I want to know about Jesus. I know a couple of my friends are here today who've already made that commitment, and hopefully we'll see them coming forward in just a moment. It's their time. So how about you? Is this your time? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Because someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Can we pray together? Hey, Father, thank you so very much for your amazing rescue, your amazing plan of your wondrous salvation. God, we know even though we were sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. You didn't tell us to clean our act up first. You didn't tell us to get it together first. You just said, you come and believe, turning from your sin and follow my son. And that is enough. So Lord, speak to the hearts of folks today. If there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, give them the courage to step forward and come and talk to Brent that we can answer some questions and help them on their journey to follow you. Father, for those of us who already have, may we celebrate today the victory that is ours. The victory that is ours. That we have a victory because you have a victory. May we celebrate that. And we'll give you all the honor and the praise. And Jesus, I ask this in your precious name. Amen.